ask you this. Let, let, let me ask you this. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Sports Central. Chicago Sports Conversation with Adam Hogue. Go, go, go. This is Sports Central. On demand and streaming live on WGNRadio.com. Welcome in. This is Sports Central from Glendale, Arizona, Camelback Ranch. It's a beautiful day here for baseball. It's a beautiful day for Sports Central to be out here. It's been a lot of fun here the last couple days following these White Sox. And yesterday was, uh, man, if you want first impressions with some of these rookies, yesterday was the day to be here. And it doesn't stop because Michael Kopech is on the hill today for the White Sox against the Royals. My name's Adam Hogue. This is Sports Central. You can find the show on iTunes and on Google Play if you don't listen live. But we hope you're listening live. And if you are, the phone number is 312-235-2525. Plenty of baseball today on the show. We're also going to sneak in some football a little bit later on and, of course, end with buried headlines. But let's jump in right now with our lead. Bases loaded two down here in the bottom of the eighth. Breaking ball hit high and deep to left. Back goes Kiblahan, still going back, looking up, and it is gone! A grand slam for Luis Robert, and the White Sox, on the extra point, lead 14-12 to over the Reds. How about that for your first spring start? And they're all the way for Luis Robert. Got a hooker and just buried it out there. Four White Sox home runs. Yeah, what a nice sight that is for the young man. That from the White Sox stream yesterday of the game, Luis Robert, what a first impression in his first Cactic League start. White Sox were trailing late, and he had a grand slam, the bottom of the eighth inning, showing off that power that he has. And just getting a first look at him yesterday, I mentioned before the show when I was on with, uh, before the game when I was on Sports Central here with Kevin Powell yesterday, uh, and Joe, you'll remember this, Joe Romano, our producer back in Chicago, I, I, Mike Cameron is what he looks like to me, just not in terms of talent, but just when you, you look at his body type, how tall he is, the way he runs around in center field, and uh, we're going to hear from Aaron, Aaron Rowan who works with the outfielders and the base running uh, with the minor leaguers. And he had some outstanding things to say about Luis Roberts. We'll hear from from Aaron coming up later on the show. But just talking about the athleticism, yet uh, everybody's raving about that with this kid, Luis Roberts. So we're talking about a guy who, when he signed last May, stayed uh, played in the Caribbean last summer. So his first time even here in America wasn't until... um, the hitting camp they had in January, like a week before Sox Fest. So this this is a guy who's a, who's adapting really, really quickly. I think that's why they've been so careful about uh, he hasn't been playing a whole lot. He got into a couple Cactus League games as a pinch hitter, but uh, yesterday was his first start, and to, to crank on a, a first-pitch slider the way he did in such a big moment, and he talked to us after the game and said that, he was treating it like a big moment. He could hear the crowd was getting into it. He knew it was a big situation. He jumped on a on a slider on the first pitch and just crushed it out to left center field. So very impressive. And yet that wasn't even the up until that point in the game. He had not gotten a hit. He did have a walk. It was Yoan Moncada's day, and some people have been getting a little worried about Moncada down here in Arizona because the batting average is low. But you know, just talking to some people before the game yesterday, everyone's saying, look. 
he's going to get on base. He's just he has such a good eye, and he's going to take walks, and he's going to find ways to get on base even when he's slumping. And then he comes into this game. He goes three for three yesterday uh, with with a run. And a double, two singles, and a walk, and he also made an outstanding defensive play. So, what a day if you wanted to come out here and see some of these young guys playing. The future is bright. I don't know how else to put it with the, with this White Sox team. I, I you, you can't base everything on, on one spring training game, of course, but just the, the progress, other than the injuries, which of course have slowed down Eloy Jimenez, uh, and Mike Rodolfo and taking Jake Berger out, but the guys who are healthy that are out here, there really hasn't been any stumble. And another guy we're going to hear from here in a little bit is Matt Davidson, who's having himself an outstanding spring, who knew that this was kind of do or die for him to turn into more than just a, a power hitter because his average and on-base percentage last year wasn't very good. And Davidson also had a very good game yesterday against the Reds. So it's been an exciting... uh, Man, it's just been a little bit over 24 hours since I got down here with the White Sox. And and this is what you want to see from this young team. Why don't we go ahead right now and bring in uh, my interview with Matt Davidson from earlier this morning, kind of following up on his big game yesterday. And just starting with... Uh, his general approach and what he's been working on this spring. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think that's something that I'm capable of doing, and I've showed it before. It's more just been the consistency factor. So that's been the biggest, uh, um, I guess, thing I've worked on this off season is, is just being a little more efficiently, being able to have better timing every pitch and make better decisions every pitch. And, and uh, you know, so far it's going pretty well. How much of that is just patience at the plate and I mean, what we're, just from a mentality standpoint what are the keys to maintaining that approach every single at bat to stay in those habits yeah I think it's just uh, just mental discipline you know being able to focus on whatever it is for each individual player to you know to succeed and then not getting trying to do too much or if you're feeling too good kind of be laxed a little bit or if you're feeling bad trying too hard I mean I think uh, having the discipline which is a lot easier said than done but uh just to have that same thought process every single day, every single day. Um, you know, this game is every day and it's hard. Uh, so, you know, our minds can kind of go everywhere, but the better I can keep it together, is, you know, the more success I'm going to have. It seems like the conversation here in Arizona every spring is what really matters in these games. And then if it's success, carrying it over to the regular season. How do you do that? I mean, how do you carry, you're having a nice spring. How does that carry over to April? I mean, honestly, it's, I, I mean, it's not really paying attention to any of that you know I mean coming up coming into spring with a plan and what I'm trying to accomplish and you know and then ultimately not changing anything when it goes in the season you know because nothing changes Um, just focusing on what I can control at the plate and that's about it you know I mean you make it a bigger deal than it is you know you put a little more pressure on yourself or whatever and you know like I said I I don't know what I'm hitting I don't know anything I'm trying to do what I can every single pitch and that's it you know and then how it plays out it plays out how about defensive expectations for this season it seems like you're going to be DHing a lot but just in terms of playing third or some first I mean what do you kind of expect and how do you keep sharp on that end of the field too yeah I mean it's just the same thing consistently doing taking around balls every day those positions and preparing myself you know the, the best I can and, and uh, just being ready whenever they call my name 
How have you been able to maintain patience throughout your career? You're going to be 27 on opening day to kind of keep this development because, I, I, you know, other people say it's a little bit of a late development, but it, I guess it doesn't really matter as long as that development still happens. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think every individual in the world could continue developing. It doesn't really matter what you do or anything. I mean, I'm just trying to continually get better every day. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm holding myself to my own standards and I'm not really worried about, you know, it, it, and it is hard sometimes because, you know, the world could tell you um, I'm late or this or that, but it doesn't matter as long as I'm doing what I'm doing and controlling myself. I mean, it really, you know, it doesn't really matter. But, I mean, sometimes it's hard because you look out, but that's that's having the discipline to not worry about those things and, and just kind of, not, it's not being selfish, but it's worrying about what you can control and knowing that if this person's doing that or this person's doing that, like, ultimately worrying about that is taking away from yourself, you know, so um, I don't really I just want to continue to develop, even when I'm done playing baseball, I want to better myself as a person and and whatever skills I decide to do, you know um, doesn't really, you know matter. Well, one thing I know is your son's already ahead of schedule. One and a half swinging your bats around here in the locker room yesterday that was really cool. I don't know how he's doing that, I mean but I, I had to double check to make sure those were actually your bats that was insane. Yeah, no, he's He's a big kid, so it impresses me every day too. So uh, it's fun watching him having a bat. You know, I haven't I haven't pushed it on him at all, and he just wants to swing it. So I, I'm pretty excited about that. So to give you an idea of what we were talking about there at the end, uh, after the game yesterday, Matt Davidson had his uh, one and a half year old son in the locker room, and Joe, this was I I, w- I couldn't believe it. He, he, the kid, this kid was going in his bag and pulling out full size Matt Davidson bats, the ones he uses in the game, and was picking... First of all, just the fact that he could pull it out on his own and hold it was insane. And then he was actually taking swings with it. Dangerous swings, but it was... uh, I I couldn't believe... I don't even think my three-and-a-half-year-old could do that right now with a full-size bat. Are you kidding me? I don't think I could. Now, the real question is, was anybody upset in a LaRoche-type way? (laughs) I thought about that later after I asked him the question about it this morning. Because I'm like, all oh, Sox fans are going to hear this and be like, oh, we got an Adam LaRoche. No. There's, there was, uh, you know, I think after the game. There's, there's a big was, difference between spring training and daily, right? No. Well, yeah. Well, first of all, it was this was after the game. I think they had some kind of family thing going on yesterday, too, because a bunch of the families were around. Um, and there were some other kids running through the uh, the clubhouse after the game. It's a... The thing with the Adam LaRoche situation was his kid had his own locker, and he was there every day like he was a full-time player, like from start to finish. And I think that's where... Just looking back, man, the Adam LaRoche years, we'll we'll uh, never forget. Unfortunately, I think you're right. (laughs) Wish we could. But, um, look, I'm, I'm encouraged with what I've seen from... Matt Davidson so far, not not just since I've been here in the last 24 hours, but just following along all spring, he's been very committed to being more than just a power hitter. And if you just look at his approach at the plate yesterday, his first at-bat RBI single, he kind of just dumped one into center field. Uh, and then later on in the game, when the time was right, he took a, a much bigger swing and hit a home run too. So um, th- there's a lot to like from from these guys right now, I, I 
Joe, what do you think about Davidson going forward? I mean, I, it's still kind of confusing. If he, like, let's say he figures it all out and gets his on-base percentage much higher, uh, it, that doesn't necessarily still make him part of of the future. I, in fact, that almost just turns him into trade bait. I feel like by the, by the trade deadline, I, I'm intrigued by most of these the players on this roster who are almost called placeholders. You know, like all right, so Davidson, you're going to play here for a year until Berger's ready, or you're going to play DH against left-handed pitching. You know, th- that's got to be a motivator for a guy like Matt Davidson, who's who who's hit what 25 home runs in the big leagues. He's he's here. He's ready to go. He's he's a big. You know, athletic guy who can play third, play first. I'm interested to see, like I said, the motivation factor of being, you know, look look beyond, you know? Yeah, I like what he had to say in that interview just about, you know, look, he's 27. Most people put 26 as sort of the cutoff. Um, And and he did take a step forward last year in in his year 26 season. Now... He, he's got to figure out a little bit more. And it, it's interesting, him and Avi Garcia, you see the pure talent, you understand why they were such top prospects. Um, and now it's now it's just kind of figuring it out where they fit in this rebuilding plan. And, you know, it, it was probably even unfair for me to say a couple minutes ago like that, that you could turn them into trade bait. I mean, that's certainly an option. Was, we talked about that with Avi last year. We talked about Avi... In the offseason that way after the, the season he had with the 330 batting average. But the thing is that the White Sox don't have to figure that out right now. I mean, they can they can let these guys go out there and play on a daily basis and, and kind of figure it out as they go. You don't necessarily know what the actual trade market's going to be like until you, you kind of get to that point. So um, it, the, the thing that's important for all of these guys, whether they're part of the future or not part of the future and you can look back at the Cubs rebuild and say the same thing you just it's in the best interest of the organization if all of them are played well right if all oh, of absolutely. them it, it just all of them develop then you can figure it out from there who fits if you have too many people if if you're in a situation like the Cubs are right now with four outfielders which is a great situation to be in um that that's a good problem to have, and so right now, especially with some of these guys who have been hurt, um, you, you want these placeholders to continue to play well. So uh, it, it's nice to see Davidson having the spring that he's having right now. Yeah, and you know this is a team that still, uh, until they become a buyer, until you start to see you know evidence in the standings of them becoming a contender, that any veteran is potentially trade bait so you know you you might want to walk back your comments a little bit on Davidson but I think anybody that gets off to a hot start that could potentially turn around into a you know another hot prospect is is at least worth thinking about you know like this this team isn't thinking about playoffs yet so why not yeah or even like a a Blake Rutherford type guy who you know I had a couple people ask me on Twitter yesterday about him and I'm hoping to, to get a little bit more information here before I leave Arizona on where he stands right now because he was a hot prospect for the Yankees, who they kind of dumped because he didn't take the pro- he didn't make the progress they thought. And the way Rick Hahn packaged that trade to the Yankees last year in the middle of the season to even get somebody that was considered uh, a big time prospect, even though it, I, I think he has a high risk to him, um, it's interesting to see. And so far, there hasn't been much talk about Rutherford in the spring. But if you just look at Baseball America's prospect rankings, he's still. Let's see, I have it right here in front of me. I believe he's still number eight um, coming into spring training. So, um, 
and I saw him out there on the minor league fields this morning as I was chasing down a, a, uh, Aaron Rowan. So uh, anybody like that who could potentially help, th- that's what you're trying to do right now. And uh, and you just hope that you see that development from from all those guys. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. We come back, we'll talk a little bit about Michael Kopech, who's getting the start today, um, and, and, and kind of take a look at the lineup from some of the other guys I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing today. And, of course, Aaron Rowan, uh, a must-listen interview, just the insight he has on working with these young outfielders, uh, guys like Luis Robert, guys like Eloy Jimenez. Um, you're going to want to have to hear what he said. And then, of course, I couldn't let him off the hook without talking about 2005 at least a little bit. Right, Joe? So um, we, we dove into some of those memories as well. So we'll what take about a the quick wall t- crash with the broken nose? Yeah. Oh, I didn't bring that up. I should have. Well, bring it up next time, dude. Yeah, I'm. Good idea. That because that that is probably if you for people outside Chicago, that's probably what you remember Aaron Rowan for. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah, walking off the field with like face full of blood. Yeah, and maybe if Luis Robert had had that kind of uh, approach to the ball he had at the wall yesterday, he would have caught it. It bounced off his glove. It was a great play. I mean, even getting the position, you have to have extreme athleticism and speed like Luis Robert has. But he said he mistimed his jump yesterday, and um, Aaron Rowan would have caught it, I think. We'll take a quick time. I'll be right back here on Sports Central uh, with Aaron Rowan. Chicago's Sports Conversation. This is Sports Central with Adam Hogue. Back here on Sports Central, live from Camelback Ranch in Glendale, Arizona, getting a look at the White Sox as we get ready for White Sox baseball this season on 720 WGN. Michael Kopech getting the start today against the Kansas City Royals. Looking forward to seeing him in person. Avi Garcia also in the lineup. Jose Abreu, Matt Davidson. So a lot of these guys, uh, including Luis Alexander Basabe, one of the Younger outfield prospects who also has a high ceiling that they are excited to see. So a number of guys that are going to be a part. He, he was yeah, part go of ahead. that sale trade too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was kind of the overlooked one. But just talking to some people around here the last couple days, not not overlooked, but just, you know, obviously not Yoan Mancata who who stole all the, the headlines. But Sabe, though, and he got in the game yesterday is uh, currently the number 18 prospect in the White Sox organization, according to Baseball America. Still very young. Um, His brother was also part of the Red Sox organization and was traded to the Diamondbacks. So he's probably still going to be in Class A this year, maybe High A, but he's somebody who they expect to... Um, you know, be a part of the future too. They love his his defense, so I'm looking forward to seeing Basabe today in the lineup as well. And of course, Michael Kopech uh, is the headliner. Well, all of these guys that work in at least the outfielders uh, and those are, are are base runners, base stealers are working closely with Aaron Rowan, who of course you remember from the 2005 White Sox, and is now back with the organization. And we talk about a lot of things, a lot of the prospects with him. Here's the interview with Aaron Rowan. So Aaron Rowan, outfield base running coordinator, your third year doing this. Is that is it as simple as that sounds? Or what exactly uh, is part of your job description out here? Well, it's just that. And, um, you know, working with the base stealers, working uh, techniques, situations, um, knowledge, um, you know, being aggressive, 
pushing the issue, forcing errors on the other top, on the other side. Um, and that's how this, that's how from the top down with Rick on down to all the levels, uh, we're going to play. We're going to play the game and, and play the game right. Run balls out, make hard turns, try to force the defense to make mistakes. Um, and you've seen it in the big leagues. They've been doing that, and a lot of extra bases have been taken. Um, a lot of extra bases have been taken just because of the pressure that the base running has put on the defense. And, and we're going to try to instill that in every level of our organization all the way up. And uh, the expectation level is going to be there even when they get to the big leagues. So that part of it is, you know, there's a lot of technical stuff that goes into it as far as reads. And, I mean, nobody notices base running when it's good, but when somebody makes a mistake, it's glaring. So we try to keep that from happening. And uh, outfield stuff, again, techniques, reads, um, knowledge, throwing, um, positioning, communicating, all these things, um, along with the fundamentals of, of what you, you know, drop stepping, uh, angles to balls, cutting balls off, um, taking direct routes, all that stuff comes down to fundamentals. And uh, so going around and all the levels and, and, and trying to start it here in spring training and then continue that in roving around during the uh, regular season. So during the season, you just kind of go from place yeah, to place? The, yeah, I go from, from uh, affiliate to affiliate, spend three or four days at each place and, and go visit them four or five times during the summer. When did you know you had this itch to coach? Um, I, I've always enjoyed um, coming to the ballpark. I mean, I was like that as a player. Uh, I just love the game, and I had a lot of great teachers who instilled a lot of a lot of uh, great fundamentals and wis- and given me a lot of wisdom over the years. And um, I think as an ex-player, it's nice to feel like you can give some of that back. And um, that part of it has been it's been rewarding and and. I enjoy coming to the ballpark every day and trying to help these guys achieve their dreams. We got a chance to see Luis Robert yesterday on the big field. He did a nice grand slam to, to, to win the game. Uh, a couple defensive plays out there, too. What have you seen from him so far in, in your work with him? He is a has un, un, unbelievable athleticism, um, I guess is the best way to put it. His athleticism is, is up there with anybody in the game. And special i mean he's he's got all the tools he's he's got a great arm he runs like a like a gazelle um he's quick he's got great instincts uh great hands and that doesn't even mention his swing and his power i mean he's he's got all the tools and and he's young and but he's polished for being as young as he is so um i think i think the people in chicago it won't be too long before they get to see him because uh, he, he's actually, with all the physical gifts and everything that he has, what has really been, I think, surprising and eye-opening to some of the people here is how mature mentally and in his approach at the plate and what he's trying to do. Uh, and then the athleticism just takes care of itself. What a, What's it been like with the language barrier with some of these, these kids that are so important in this organization? Uh, the how does that add to the challenges at all and and how much have you seen them kind of embracing breaking that that barrier that that, that exists well i mean louis this is the first time louis has been in the u.s so um he's really the only one that doesn't speak any english yet and he's learning um but other guys like adolfo and and eloy 
those guys all speak very very good English um, they've, they've done their classes and and grown up around the English language so they're um, communicating with them has been has been easy how about Eloy and Adolfo <clears throat> both have been a little bit limited here with some, with some injuries uh, I don't know how that's affected you the work you've done with them here in spring but what have you seen from those two um, they're both great players and they're both um, they're both going to be special um, Miker at least now is able to hit and do stuff um, defensively he can do all of his work he's just not throwing um, and so to see him get out there and get some at bats and he's had some success and Eloy getting back into things now um, after a little little tendonitis uh, issue um, just I think from the first day you know it, it coming out and, and starting and stopping and doing all that stuff uh, right at the beginning of the of the really uh, you know the, the first couple days and stuff you body tends to go like what are you doing you know what I mean and and so his is just a minor deal but he they wanted to make sure that he had some time and uh make sure we get everything right before he gets back out there and and he seems to be moving around pretty good right now so I think hopefully that's behind us and uh you know as far as the player goes he's tremendous I mean his maturity um in his approach at the plate um is far beyond his years and again the ability level he's got he's got a swing that will give him the ability to hit for average but also hopefully a whole lot of power too because he's he's a big strong guy with a great bat path who drives the ball the other way can pull the ball um lags off speed pitches i mean he's he's about as polished a hitter for his age that I think I've ever seen. So, How is he defensively? Uh, obviously, we, we see the videos. We can see how far he can hit the ball. How is he in the outfield? He's actually surprisingly light on his feet for a big guy. <clears throat> he um, He's not, you know, for as, as big and tall as he is and as big as his feet are, he's not heavy on his feet. He's not clunky. He's got good footwork. Um, he's got an above-average arm. He takes pretty good routes, goes and gets balls. Um I mean, everything that I've seen from him in the outfield, he's he's a solid outfielder, and with an above-average arm, he's not a guy that you would put out in the outfield and, and have any reservations of, you know, keeping him in the game with the late in the game, uh, as far as like putting a defensive replacement in for him. He's he's a very very solid defender, and uh, and surprisingly faster than what you would think for a guy his size. So, do you and Jim Tomey uh, debate about who who won the trade? No, no. Jimmy, Jimmy is one of the greatest people that I've ever had the opportunity to meet, and we've become very, very good friends. And over the years, playing against each other, getting traded for each other, we both have uh, a, a man named Charlie Manuel in in in, uh, in common, who we both love very dearly. And look, probably both of them look. We both look at him like a father figure. So, Jimmy and I have have, have had a good bond and a close bond for you know all the years that i've known him and to be able to work with him here has been awesome and we just like talking hit and telling stories about charlie and trying to help these kids get better if i could jog your memory a little bit you you were so beloved by this organization and white Sox fans and it's it's great to ha- that you're back with the organization what was that like coming off the world series going through that trade well at the moment it was heartbreaking um i love the city of chicago i loved all the fans um, I just love 
being part of the, of the White Sox organization. I think I made the mistake right about a week before I got traded by saying at the DVD unveiling that I wanted to wear this uniform the rest of my career. And then a week later, I got traded. But, uh, no, I mean, at the time, yeah, I was heartbroken leaving the only organization that I ever knew, the one that I came up with, all the people, the front office. Um, but I was lucky that I got to go to Philadelphia and, and, and play in front of those fans and that organization and the people that I met there and the teammates that I had there. I was very lucky if I was going anywhere that I got to go there. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite moments from 05 in the in the World Series is not not necessarily the the home runs themselves but I think it was you and Brian Anderson was it Brian Anderson yeah. I think in the when jumping around jumping around like crazy when Scotty hit his homer yeah. right what was uh yeah how how often do you still think about uh, especially that night specifically oh a lot i mean it it was one of the biggest um moments of my life and luckily i get to come here and i see a lot of the people that i got to share that with it was awesome so there he is, Aaron Rowan. Uh, got a chance to talk to him earlier today on the minor league fields. It was uh, fun watching him work with those guys. Uh, a long workout today on the backfields here at Camelback Ranch. Um, and, and just kind of watching Aaron. It's kind of set the scene for those of you who haven't been down here. Uh, most minor, or most spring training facilities are built this way. With you have the big stadium, and then uh, a couple fields for the major leaguers, and then uh, there's usually four fields all right next to each other uh, for the minor leaguers, and they have them all out there. So Aaron Rowan is is working with those guys on those four minor league fields, just kind of bouncing from from uh, field to field, and they're usually split up: single A, double A, triple A. And just kind of working with guys individually on on different things uh, when it comes to base running and when it comes to to working in the outfield. So for guys like Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez, Aaron Rowan is is working very closely with those. And and, and just a couple things that stood out to me. Um, First of all, and I teased this earlier on in the show, just the natural talent and athleticism that Luis Robert has uh, Aaron Rowan talking about that, how he can run like a gazelle. That was all on display just my first time yesterday seeing him uh, in person. The way he ran in the outfield, he tracked a, a liner down in the gap at one point. Even though he didn't catch the ball at the wall, uh, he, he just the fact he was even there was impressive. I think there's a lot of center fielders who wouldn't even have gotten to that ball. And then, you know, the, we'll see how the bat comes around, but certainly you, you have to be excited about him hitting a home a grand slam in the eighth inning in such a big moment too, even if it's a spring training game. And then as far as Eloy Jimenez goes, a little bit of a hint there from Aaron Rowan that Eloy's uh, is starting to turn the corner here with that knee knee issue that's been holding him back, um, and he doesn't think it's going to be too long before people in Chicago get to see him up close and personal, which is kind of the thinking here going into the season. The season, right, that Eloy Jimenez is going to be on the big club at some point. Another guy who is expected to get called up at some point this season is Michael Kopech, who uh, is making his second spring training start today against the Kansas City Royals here at Camelback Ranch. Excited to see him up in person. uh, Pitched very well um, his first time out and want to keep that going. You know, I was thinking about even last year in spring training, he pitched against the Cubs. I think in relief it was but he had an inning where I'm pretty sure he faced Rizzo, Bryant, and someone else. It might have been Javi Baez. But three of the major league players all in a row. And I think he struck out the side. I remember watching that from home. Um, so the stuff, even a year ago at this time, was certainly there. 
and and now you want to see him continue to make that progression that he made through the minor leagues. Uh, very likely to start a Triple A, and you want to see him. Um, I, I love guys. I've said this before that that go through the system and dominate each level on their way up. Uh, I, I think that's the best way to bring these talented kids up. You don't want to rush them, and the White Sox are now in a spot where they don't have to rush them. But the, these these spring training games where they get to face minor or major league players is helpful because you at least get to see how they uh, stack up against some of these guys. Uh, and, and by the way, just a, a couple notes here looking at the Royals lineup for today. Jorge Soler is how's, in the how's lineup. How's he looking? I, I heard he's in uh, great shape. I... I haven't seen him, but we'll get a chance to see him today. But coming over in the Wade Davis trade, Jorge Soler got sent down to the minors. Uh, just looking at his stats here on the lineup sheet, only hitting 167, but does have three home runs this spring with seven RBIs and batting third today. That's very Soler-like. Yeah, right? Um, and then Cody Ash. I'm assuming it's Cody Ashy. Remember him? I sure do. Because he's in the lineup. How many people are named Ashy? Pretty sure that's him. He's in the lineup today for the Royals as well. So um, get a chance to see how those guys look against Michael Kopech. I have a feeling they might struggle a little bit. Jorge Soler versus Michael Kopech. Who wins that battle? He go. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick time out here. Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune is down here in Arizona covering baseball, but he usually covers the Bears, just like me, right? So we're going to talk some Bears football. From inside a baseball booth. I think it makes perfect sense. We're going to do that next right here on Sports Central. What? Um, yes! What? Um, no! What? Let me think. Let me think. Ooh. Yeah! Good talk, Coach. Thanks. Maybe we should stick the radio. He's got a point. <laughs> Chicago's Sports Conversation. This is Sports Central with Adam Hogue. All right, back here from Camelback Ranch, Sports Central rolling on. It's White Sox and Royals. Our next White Sox broadcast, by the way, coming up Saturday uh, from Sloan Park. It's against the Cubs, White Sox and Cubs over in Mesa. And we will be carrying that game after the Blackhawks on Saturday. So White Sox, Cubs coming up um, th- this Saturday. You know what? Uh, and we're going to talk to Dan Weiner here in a, mo- in a moment uh, about some bear stuff. But Joe, last night, after uh, you know flying from Chicago to Arizona here really early, sitting through what was actually an extremely long White Sox game. Not that I'm complaining; it was just a long game. Ended very excitingly uh, with Luis Roberts' home run. But I didn't even realize this that the Cubs were playing in Goodyear at night. I just assumed they had a day game because most of the games here are all at the same time. And I, I realized they're playing in Goodyear, which is the town sort of just southwest of, of Glendale. And they had a night game. So I figured, well, i got to go somewhere to eat dinner anyway. Why don't I just go to the ballpark? A little double and, dip? Yeah, but I didn't work. I just I went there. I sat in the stands. I got some food. I had a couple beers and enjoyed a nice evening with some baseball. That's a, that's a great way to spend an evening right there. I mean, that's just I, I think it was just a, a clutch move on my part. Oh yeah, extremely clutch. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. Jason, Jason Kipnis, because I also got to take a look at you know the Indians too, who are probably the best, easily the best team in the White Sox division, and they uh, split with the Reds in uh, in Goodyear's where they played last year. When I went to a game there, the Cubs were playing the Reds, and uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, an enormous storm came. 
I didn't know that was possible in Arizona. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the skies opened up and it poured, and they, um, then they basically they called off the game like the fifth inning or something like that. So out of nowhere, you know, the bizarre. the Cubs are playing the Indians this year during the regular season uh, at Wrigley, and they got a giveaway. Did you hear about that? They have a giveaway? Yeah, they're doing a giveaway at the ballpark for when the Indians come to town. Did you hear what they're giving away? No, I did not. Umbrellas. Oh. That's, that's, I like that. That's very good. That's also mean. I think it's a little mean, too, but I love it. Does yeah, that it's, mean a, that it's interesting. Does Jason Hayward have to give a speech in the middle of the game, too? Yeah, right in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> they're just going to turn on the, uh, well, they're hoping it's raining. But I think they're just going to turn on the uh, sprinkler system, and then he'll go out there with a microphone and say, what's up? That's it. Yeah. Huh. Um, all right. Well, Jose Quintana was pitching last night, too. So that was another added bonus. Get to see Jose. What a great trade. This doesn't get talked about enough, Joe. The Jose Quintana trade. First of all, that guy was picked off the scraps from the Yankees, the fact that the White Sox got anything out of him and developed him into a very good number two starter uh, for a number of years, and then to flip him for Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease, by the way, who who pitched a couple days ago and pitched very, very well, just kind of fitting with this theme this week of the young kids playing so well down here in Arizona for the White Sox. Uh, I was just sitting there last night watching Quintana pitch, and he's still going to be very good for the Cubs, uh, and he pitched well last night from from what I saw, it was a kind of a limited outing, um, and I think he left a couple guys on that ended up scoring. There was a ton of offense in that game, too, but he was pitching well when he was in there. I, I, I hope that that's a trade that works out for both sides, and I feel pretty optimistic that it is. Maybe in the end, if all things come to fruition, the two main players the, the White Sox got will have a higher impact, maybe. But for where the Cubs are right now and getting a guy like Quintana, not just for last year, but going forward, that's exactly what they needed. So that, that trade just made all sense of the world. Yeah, the cost control. That was the, that was the big deal both with Sale and Quintana, guys that were locked up at, at a reasonable rate through you know three, four years. Uh, that was a big sticking point for the Cubs, and that, that allows them to go spend money on Morrow, go spend money on you, Darvish. Um, I, I think it will work out for, well for both teams. You know, Quintana isn't an ace, but I don't think the White Sox were selling him as one. They were saying, you know, the pitching market is not going to get any better. So you might as well get this guy, solid part of your rotation, at a, at a guaranteed rate for the next three years. He doesn't get injured, throws 200 innings, gets 200 strikeouts. Solid pitcher to have in your rotation, no doubt. All right, let's. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pull a little bit of an audible joke because uh, D- Dan hasn't come in here yet, and I know he's been working out some other stuff. Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune. We were hoping to talk some football with him, um, but I know he's working on a couple other things while he's down here in Arizona. So uh, let's go to. Let's just jump into buried headlines. Got a bunch of stuff for you today. Uh, maybe Dan will still pop in here at the booth at Camelback Ranch. Um, but start with the uh, the biggest connection, I think, to uh, Chicago, at least the Chicago news cycle today, a place that many people thought he would end up, and he did, Derek Rose signing with Tom Thibodeau's Minnesota Timberwolves. Ah, I like what you did there. Yeah. Yeah, I've only seen. It. I've only seen that on Twitter like a hundred times today, so I figured I'd just use it too. Yeah, and then take credit. Yeah, Timberwolves. I came up with it. Uh, good spot for him. 
really, I think the only spot he was going to have. Uh, I know there's a report today that he just had a a baby daughter, right? This week, and he was kind of waiting on that um, before he signed, but it didn't really seem like there was a whole lot of interest out there anyway. Uh, we talked we talked last week that it, you know his career might be in jeopardy, so he ends up in Minnesota. Don't know how much he's really going to play, but. Man, the Timberwolves are all back together up there. Most people assume that this would happen at the trade deadline. It's interesting that he's finally uh, with the Timberwolves after Jimmy Butler gets hurt. Was he waiting for Butler to not be on the court with him? Is that, <laughs> am I stirring the pot too much up there in Minnesota no, like Timberwolves land? I like it. I like it. Stir the pot. It's good. Um, here we go again with the NFL Combine. This from Outsports.com. Headline, NFL says it's, quote, looking into gay question asked at NFL Combine. The NFL is looking into the matter of one of its teams asking a prospect if he, quote, likes men. The action comes after LSU running back and NFL prospect Darius Geis said he was asked a question by at least one team at the NFL Combine. Geis was also asked if his mother is a prostitute. League spokesperson Brian McCarthy sent this statement to OutSports Thursday morning saying, quote, A question such as that is completely inappropriate and wholly contrary to league workplace policies. The NFL and its clubs are committed to providing equal employment opportunities to all employees in a manner that is consistent with our commitment to diversity and inclusion. State and federal laws and the CBA, we are looking into the matter. The league annually reminds clubs of these workplace policies that prohibit personnel from seeking information concerning a player's sexual orientation. This is the second time in two years a team has gone down this road. Last time the NFL found that the Atlanta Falcons and coach Marquan Manuel had been the offending parties. The league took no action against them. It just amazes me that a year after this happened, it is it, and it was a big story then, and is going to be a big story now. But a team did it again. But maybe it's because the league took no action against them. Yeah, it's it's almost as if a precedent was set when they um, sat on their hands. So, uh, I, not to say that they can't do anything now. It's just it's interesting um, that that they didn't do anything. You gotta if you don't want it to happen again, you got to do something. You got to make a rule. Ryan Pace said last week at the Combine that they don't even shake hands because the time is so limited. You only get 15 minutes. And then I wonder, you have Notre Dame wide receiver Equimania St. Brown come out and say that a team asked him how long he could keep his eyes open. And they actually timed it. What, what is going on? Let's do that at the next remote. Time how long we can keep our eyes open? Yep. Yep, give away a prize. That sounds like really good radio. Oh, I think does, it translates man. well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll get Lance Stevenson in there, blowing into people's eyes. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> riveting radio. Oh, my God. But just... Uh, I hope the Bears are not asking questions like that. It, I think, too. I mean, if you're not even shaking hands with these guys, hopefully... And I, I, my understanding is that the Bears like to just jump in right away with football talk and getting these guys on the board and writing up plays and testing their football knowledge. Seems to me that's a little bit more important. 
Yeah, what if he kept his eyes open for the entire 15 minutes and then just blew all their interview time on keeping a guy's eyes open? Crazy. First round pick. <laughs> yep. Right? First round eye opening talent. Yeah. Uh, Illinois. The Fighting Illini might be getting a hockey team. They released, uh, they've, they've been talking about this for a while, and they released a study of the uh, feasibility of getting a hockey team. And without going through the whole thing, the results seem to be pretty positive. There seems to be an appetite for it. And it certainly seems like down the road we may see an Illinois hockey program blossom. Uh, Penn State, the most recent Big Ten school to add hockey, and they got really good really quickly. They sure uh, did. Been very, been very competitive. So, and now that the Big Ten has its own hockey conference, and look, this is where I become a, a little bit of a college hockey purist. Purist, which may surprise you, but I went to Wisconsin, and hockey's a huge deal there. And I don't necessarily follow the program all that much, but the WCHA was awesome when I was there. You're not really used to it because all their other programs are in the Big Ten, right? So you're used to them playing Big Ten programs. And the WCHA at that time was like North Dakota, Minnesota Duluth, Minnesota, the Gophers were in there, St. Cloud State. But it was just sort of a its own conference, and it was really cool because all those schools, even though they sound like smaller schools, are really good at hockey, oh, and it was competitive. Sure. It was competitive each and every week, and not that the Big Ten isn't. The Ohio State has a good program. Michigan has a good program. Michigan State has a good program. But there's just less schools. I think there's only six. Yeah, and uh, Notre Dame's in there, too. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody we're missing. And these are good hockey programs, but I don't know. There was something really cool about the WCHA and a weekend series against North Dakota. You know, I called. I didn't really knew nothing about hockey when I went there. And I ended up calling and doing play-by-play college hockey. And it is amazing. Those games that I called, how many of those names still show up in the NHL today? You know, I called a game Jonathan Taves played in at Wisconsin. When, oh, against when he the was Fighting with, Sioux? When he was with North Dakota. They came to, to Madison. Um, TJ Oshi. Yeah, Oshi was on that team. North Dakota's got some team. serious players, man. Parise went there, I think. It's a great program. So, um, yeah. But it'd be cool to see more Big Ten schools embrace hockey uh, and, and, and get that going. All right. Something happened on Jeopardy yesterday. I don't know why I find this to be so funny, but I do. Joe, why don't you just go ahead and play the clip? Spring training baseball in Florida is known as this league. Jack, what is the Bush League? No. <laughs> Classic. First <laughs> One thing for that to just be it. I guess it's not the worst guess ever, but the way he says it is hilarious. Oh, yeah, yeah. He knew it's it. It's like... Oh, we, this is Bush. Can, yeah, I'm putting. Can it we out hear there. that again? I mean, it was like he, he. It almost was like he wanted to chime in just to say that word, just like that. Spring training baseball in Florida is known as this league. Jack, what is the Bush League? No. No. <laughs> and you. That's the other part that's funny. How upset no. Al Trebek is. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, he. Uh, that's great. And then, did you uh, catch on the uh, on our lead? We had uh, Luis Robert in the slam, and the guy saying he got a hooker and he buried it. Yep, that was interesting too. Yeah, yeah. Sit out, Dan Wieners here. 
What's up, buddy? Yeah, I did, uh, Joe. I did hear that, and uh, that I, I, I mean, he's sitting two booths down from me right now. That was that was our old friend Rich King from WGN TV, who's hey, retired now, but been doing some of the games with the White Sox down here. But I did notice that. Just add a little spice to the call. Uh, let's uh, let's bring in Dan Weiner here, who's h- hanging ar- hanging around covering some baseball this week. But we're going to talk some football. Are you okay with that? Hanging around is not the right phrase for this. I don't think I'm ever going home. You're stuck here. Uh, just it's too nice of weather. Why? Why am I going to go home? Call me when training camp starts. <laughs> this is uh, yeah. This is like this is like training camp, but it's just. Nicer. Yeah, a little bit nicer. Uh, all right, let, let's talk about the uh, Kyle Fuller situation this week. Is just starting with that and your reaction to the transition tra- tag being applied, uh, which, which you don't really see a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, I think it gives the Bears a sense of security, right? That they they now do not have to have this worry like they had a year ago when Alshon Jeffrey hit the open market that he might get away, and and so so now you have things a little bit more in your control. Uh, it allows you now between now and July 15th to get a long-term deal done with Fuller and obviously get on the same page in that regard. Now, the price tag and and what they're going to have to pay Fuller Fuller seems a little rich for my blood, but it also is from a team that has a ton of salary cap room. This is not going to prevent them from doing anything else on the open market. And so I understand for the peace of mind, you you lock up a guy who had a really good season, a homegrown first-round draft pick, and and, and you try to keep those guys around when, when you can. Ultimately, it'll just come down to what other offers, if any, he gets from other teams, just what the temperature is from the rest of the league, which right now we don't we won't really know until it heats up on Monday when teams can start talking to his people. Uh, but how do you look at his season last year? Obviously, you and I have had the benefit of covering all four years of his career, but it, which has been actually more down than up. Certainly, he played better last season, but I still couldn't get out of my head week to week, like especially when people started bringing up the words Pro Bowl. I was like, teams are still throwing at him nonstop every week, and that to me tells me tells me that they're more scared of Prince of Mukamara than Kyle Fuller. Right, and and you saw him give up some some big touchdowns in key moments, and and I thought it was a good season. I thought it was an encouraging season. I think that Bears fans in general have been so deprived of top-notch defense and and major playmakers for so long that when you get a taste of a a really good season, you think that it's elite. And it was far from elite. He had two interceptions, right? Obviously, the 22 passes defense was a a promising sign, and he he made plays when, when plays were there to be made. But there's a long way to go before Kyle Fuller ascends to be one of the elite corners that 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 people are fearful of, right? And that, that opposing offenses have to game plan around and not just take it into account. And so there's there's room to grow. And I think one of the interesting dynamics that you have here is now that he's not in a contract year, right? And and assuming the Bears get something done long term before the season starts, does his motivation stay the same way? Does his his hunger to prove that he belongs on that tier stick around? And we'll see. It'll be fun to watch. Thanks for jumping in here real quick. They're starting a national anthem here at the ballpark, so we're not gonna we're not gonna talk through that. We got to get out of here anyway. Um, Joe, we're gonna end things here a little bit sooner today, but uh, join us tomorrow again. We'll be here from Camelback Ranch in spring training. This is Sports Central.